Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Hey guys, Jason here. Welcome to the Instrument Pilot Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Ground School Academy, the number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. We're in the process right now of reshooting all our videos up to those new ACS guidelines, Airman Certification Standards. If you're an M0A.com fan and friend, you've heard me talk about that for about the past six months now. Big, big changes coming uh, to how we're tested as pilots. By the way, I want to thank you guys for making our podcast series number one in iTunes. In fact, the instrument rated or the instrument pilot podcast was number one uh, in iTunes for uh, for just a few days. Then the private pilot podcast kind of took that spot. But regardless, as of this recording, our five podcasts that we've just recently released: private pilot podcast, instrument pilot podcast, commercial pilot podcast, and the CFI podcast, as well as Inspire aviation for uh, providing inspiration and motivation to aspiring aviators. Those five podcasts, as of this recording, own the top five spots in the aviation category on iTunes. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, You guys are just such a blessing to us. And really, um, it's your reviews, it's your uh, listenership, it's your sharing it uh, that certainly made all that possible, and I'm, I'm so glad. Apparently, you guys are enjoying what we're talking about. So any words of wisdom, any words of constructive criticism are certainly always more than welcome. Today's topic, by the way, is adjusting your personal minimums. I talk a lot. My ground school members listening to this right now are going, why? Why does he have to keep bringing up personal minimums? Because I talk about it so much. In fact, last week on our mock checkride webinar, we do a webinar every week with our online ground school members. Uh, This one happened to be a mock checkride webinar. I talked about the topic of of personal minimums. Uh, It's, I talk about it so much because it's just that important. And we should know and realize that. The topic today is when to adjust our personal minimums. Let's first off, for those of you, maybe you're not an online ground school member. And if you're not, you should be because let me help you with the written test. Let me help you with the check. Let me make you a safe real world instrument pilot, please. If you already are, there's a thing called the pilot's inner circle that helps you live out that mantra of a good pilot is always learning. Let me help you set your personal minimums right now. How do we set them? Based on three factors. Answer these three questions and fill in the blanks for me. I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank. Notice I used language such as clouds. I didn't say ceiling which is defined as the lowest broken or overcast layer. I said, I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank. Scattered, few, broken, overcast, doesn't matter. I will not go flying if the visibility is less than blank. Again, you fill in that blank there. I will not go flying if the wind is greater than blank. You fill in the blank. That's what's so important. Knowing and having 
hard set personal minimum numbers because here's what 90% of the pilot population does. I know this doesn't apply to you guys because you're the you're the you're the 1% to use some political analogies here. You're the 1% in regards to aviation, no doubt. And here's why because you have hard set personal minimum numbers because what the 99% of the pilot population does is they go, "Ah, well, you know, I know the the, the clouds are overcast at 1200 feet. It's technically VFR. I can always shoot an approach. And you know, I really, they're expecting me at that business. I mean, I'm trying to close $100,000 worth of business here this week. That would be really sweet. So uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go. And they didn't, ha- they made their decision based on their circumstances, based on the amount of business they're about to go close. That's what they ended up making their decisions on. Not a smart decision by any means have hard set personal minimum numbers. So when I read a METAR and the METAR says, you know, broken clouds, 1,200 feet, visibility seven, I can read that and go, you know what? Uh, My personal minimums was visibility eight and the visibility seven, I'm not going today. The METAR made the decision for me because I have hard set personal minimum numbers. That is what's so important. Having those hard set numbers. Trust me, you're going to get asked this on your check ride. I promise you, what are your personal minimums will be a question that comes up on your check ride. If it doesn't, I'd like to talk to your check ride examiner because they need to get a new uh, question database they're pulling their questions from. Hard set personal minimum numbers. Now, Okay, great. I've set these hard set personal minimum numbers. Am I stuck with them for life? No, because hopefully you're going to get better as a pilot. Hopefully you're going to continue to fly. You're going to get proficient. A big theme in our movie we're working on, Flying Again, which I actually just saw a rough cut. Uh, uh, should be coming out here soon. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with this recent rough cut. Um, should be out in a few months, but an ongoing theme throughout the movie, by the way, the, the concept of flying again, you can learn more, flyingagainmovie.com to give you a URL to go see trailers. But uh, one of the, we're taking rusty pilots getting them current again. And one of the, the leading arcs throughout the movie is there's such a difference between currency and proficiency. You want to get better as a pilot? Don't just be current, be proficient. Current is to carry passengers, I need three takeoffs and landings in the same category and class of aircraft within 90 days. Current is my six full approaches within six months. Proficient is shooting those approaches with a great instructor who kind of helps push me a little bit into maybe some some actual IFR that I normally wouldn't fly. And you know, this is the thing that kills me. And I I hate, I'm sorry that I'm getting off topic, but Sometimes when I ramble like this, good nuggets of wisdom come out. So uh, let me just preach here for a half a second. I apologize. I hate, I don't like using words like hate either. It's too strong of a word, but, but I'm going to use it here. You'll never hear me say a curse word. But so, so saying something like hate is about as close as you'll hear me get to saying a curse word. I hate the fact that we can do our entire instrument rating without ever sticking our head in the clouds. I can, and I know it because I did it many, many years ago. 
I became an instrument-rated pilot. I got met all my requirements. I did it all under the hood. And I never stuck my head in a cloud. And the moment I did, the, the scary part was I, I had an instrument pilot certificate rating in my wallet. I could go blazing approaches down to minimums. And I am so thankful that the first time I was on an IFR flight plan and had actual, I had an instructor with me. Because the foggles, the hood, doesn't do justice to actual IFR. And if you are listening to this podcast and you have not stuck your head in a cloud yet, legally, obviously, with an instructor, you're doing yourself a disservice. In fact, I make the majority of my my students all have to have actual IFR time. I like to do about 50-50, simulated and actual. Now with Redbird flight sims and everything else, we can really, you know, uh, you know, kind of push them in some situations they hopefully would never find themselves in, but still doesn't give you that full immersive experience like actually being in a cloud does. Being in a cloud at night, things like that, that, geez, you don't want to find yourself in that situation as a low-time instrument pilot. And that's why we have these hard-set personal minimum numbers. And if you are an aspiring instrument pilot, if you don't know where to set these numbers, I would set them VFR right now. Your clouds should be nothing less than 1,000 feet. Your visibility should be nothing less than about 8. Because here's another little fact. We read on our METARs all the time, and we hear it on the ATIS, visibility 10 statute miles. Well, the ATIS and the METAR only reports up to 10 statute miles of visibility. The visibility could be clear and unlimited, or it could be 10. And if you've actually flown around in 10 or 9 or 8 miles of visibility at 110 knots, that's not a lot of visibility, guys. Only seeing 10 miles in front of you and flying, it's not exactly fun. There's no horizon to see. It's not a fun situation to be in. So if you're in uh, your numbers, again, if you're a low-time instrument pilot or an aspiring one, I would be disappointed if you made them anything under 1,000 feet or under 8 miles. And, and call me a stickler and you can, you can send me your emails and, and state your case, but that's just me. Maybe I'm a worry wart or whatever you want to call me, but that's, that's what I do. And trust me, my personal minimums are higher than you would think for someone who's a CFII with approaching 10,000 hours here soon. Hopefully this year is the goal. Um, they're higher than you would think. Mostly because my aircraft is not a solid IFR machine. I'm just flying 172s around. My aircraft doesn't have an autopilot. I don't have a IFR-approved GPS. So a lot of those personal minimums are based on the aircraft I fly. And on that note, too, let's talk about when we can adjust those personal minimums. After all, that's the topic of this entire podcast. When can I bump up my personal minimums? Okay, well, what do I mean by bump them up? I'm talking about put them in the other direction, make them more stringent. Let's think about it. What if you are flying in a new airplane? I call you up and say, hey, so-and-so, listen, um, i got an opportunity to fly a Mooney to the Bahamas tomorrow. You want to go with me? Well, absolutely you do. We're going to both raise our personal minimums, though, because I'd, I might have a couple hundred hours in a Mooney, but they were two, three years ago. So in a new airplane, I increase my, those numbers, those three numbers, clouds, visibility, wind, they go up by 25%. 
Flying with family or friends, non-pilots, non-aviators, I bump those up by 25% because I want my friends and family to have a wonderful introduction into aviation. One of the worst things you can do is take somebody up who's never flown before on a hot, crummy, bumpy day. Take them up at sunrise. Take them up at sunset. Don't take them up in the middle of the afternoon in July. That's no fun for anybody. Take them up when the weather's nice. What about flying in a new area? Been doing a lot of traveling lately with this movie, with the speaking tour, a lot of stuff, a lot of opportunities to fly, a lot of no-go decisions on my part because I wasn't comfortable in a new airplane, in a new area. I had to bump my personal minimums up and the weather didn't meet those and I didn't go flying. New plane, friends and family, new area, I bump my personal minimums up. Now, when can we adjust them to the direction you want to hear about? Making them less stringent. How about when you get a new rating or certificate? Maybe you're an aspiring instrument pilot. Well, you have your private pilot personal minimums. When you become an instrument pilot, you can adjust your personal minimums a little bit. How about when you add 100 hours from this day forward? Not when you have 100 hours. When you add 100 hours from this day forward, if you look in your logbook right now and you got 74 hours, when you have and you set your personal minimums with me right now after this podcast, when you get 174 hours, we can reassess. You know, it's it's what they call the killing zone, which is a, um, a I don't like the title, but it's a wonderful book. If you haven't read it before, it talks about being less than 500 hours is the killing zone. That's where pilots hurt themselves because. I use this jokingly, and you've heard me say it in videos before, you know, just enough to be dangerous, just enough to start the plane, just enough to take it off, just enough to get yourself in a pickle, you know, just enough to be dangerous. Please, my challenge to you, my homework to you, and your duty to aviation to make the skies a safer place and keep us out of the NTSB reports to help that accident rate go down, is to have hard set personal minimum numbers. Please, I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank. I will not go flying if the visibility is less than blank. I will not go flying if the wind is greater than, again, another blank. Fill in your numbers. Err on the side of caution. Bump those numbers up when flying in a new plane with friends, family, non-aviators in a new area. And you can adjust them the other direction when you add your instrument rating or a commercial rating or a glider rating. Things that make you better pilots, better aviators. And certainly once you add 100 hours from this day forward. Remember, there is a huge difference between currency and proficiency. I want you to be the proficient pilot, not a current pilot. And there's a big difference between the two, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to our email list so you get alerts every time a new podcast comes out. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.